Looks good. <laughs> Feels good too. Sorry, I was vegetating. <laughs> Chernobyl. Louder! <laughs> I just want him to scream at me. This episode of Our Kids Asleep, in case you didn't know, is brought to you by Fisher Spooner. <laughs> it was a big band back yeah. in the day. And we want to make sure that we uh, we have the proper soundtrack to get started in the right way. I wish we could play licensed music. I know. Well, we could. We can do whatever the hell That's we true. want. That's true. We're not we... on YouTube. How does that work? Well, no. We, we would still get, like, flagged. Yeah. I mean, if somebody found it, they'd be like, you motherfuckers owe me $10,000 yeah. per play or Bummer. whatever it is. Yeah. So let's refrain from doing that. But nevertheless, we would like to welcome all of you to the latest episode of Our Kids Asleep. It's episode number 19. And uh, let's get the show started. Is 19 right? Yeah. Why do I always... Because, because Brenda's was 18. Oh, oh. And okay. it's, in, it's okay. in the can, and I was supposed to do like the two-week episode thing, gotcha. but... I'm still behind because I can't just drop everything for this fucking show as much as I'd love to. <laughs> anyway. Okay. We're almost <laughs> to 20 episodes. We're all, yeah, we're almost to 20 episodes and I just couldn't be happier. How about you? Yeah, it's awesome. It yeah. feels, feels good. Like we're kind of finding our stride a little bit. I think so. In a way, like... It's been a little weird the last couple of weeks. I feel like, I don't know, our just... Our schedules feel there's weird. Been, there's been way, way too many changes yeah, going on. Some and up, some ups, Not bad upsets, just upsets. But yeah. So it feels like our like recording schedule has been wonky for the last yeah. few weeks. But We have a, a couple of things to talk to you folks about. And in case you weren't aware, uh, this is Jay Alejandro and... Maddie. And we're going to talk about three things. So what are those three things? The three things we're going to talk about today are internet abstinence or... Blackout. The social or, media blackout, yeah. right? Second thing we're going to talk about is the HBO show Chernobyl. Excellent. Uh, and then the other thing we're going to talk about is we're going to throw it back all the way to 2001, and we're going to talk about Tenacious D's self-titled album, Tenacious D. The greatest band in the world? Quite possibly. Well, let's uh, leave it to the discussion, but let's start. Oh, And actually, before we get going, what are we drinking tonight? We're drinking Glue Glue. Glue, glue. By Las Jaras Wine. Las Jaras Wines, I believe it is our last our last Las Jaras Wine that yeah. we have. Or do we have the well, bubbly? We have the champagne, too. Oh, heck yes. If you folks were well, we interested. We should open that when my brother's here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll be something to do. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it, went, it went down the wrong pipe. Oh, okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so the social media blackout. How did this come about? Well, I'm going to uh, give you folks a little breakdown. I usually get pretty uh, overwhelmed by social media because as a force of habit, I tend to just go from one app to the next. But I noticed that one of the things that I kept doing was I, I didn't really comment or share anything. Uh, I, I'm feeling a lot of stuff. Obviously, the podcast is a good outlet for me. But when I'm on social media, I, I never share anything. Like I never I just like and and, you like know, voyeur. Pretty much. That's I mean, there's, how I yeah, feel there, on the internet. Yeah. And, and I get to the point where like, Everything has been said. Every every possible permutation of comment has been made on a thread. In particular, Reddit, when you get on, on one of the forums, th pretty much everything that you can imagine in the moment has been vocalized already. So 
in in my situation, I just kind of tend to get bogged down by that stuff. And and last, what was it, last Friday or Saturday, I said, I'm going to take a break. Initially, it was going to be one month. But here we are on Saturday, the following Saturday, and I made it to five days, which goes to show, for one, my uh, my lack of self-control, my lack of discipline, but also the fact that the fear of missing out is completely real. Yeah. And I do have an example for that because it just happened, but it kind of made my day. Three days ago, Radiohead had a leak of content. Oh, it was three days ago. It was three. It was on Wednesday. That's why you missed it. Yeah. And and I was completely enraged. I I took Reddit off my phone. I took Facebook. I took Twitter. took Instagram off my phone, planning to make this long-term thing. You know, and I, my goal, okay, this is how fucking laughable this is. I wanted to hold off until my birthday. Mm. Can you believe this? It's not too late. Well, you know, I... You could re-black out. Yeah, and I, I thought about maybe like like changing things a little bit. But anyway, the the leak was all of the OK Computer or most of the OK Computer sessions, the recording sessions. So for the last like like hour, I was online trying to find a place to get this content, but I just was not able to find it. Suffice it to say, I found something. And I just started listening to to the first 30 minutes of 17 hours worth of material, unreleased material or, or different versions of, of content of songs that Radiohead put out at one point in time or another. Some of it is unreleased. I don't know. There's like a mountain of stuff to sift through. And I just feel like it's Christmas right now. So I'm, the ultimate I'm, fear of missing out on something big happening on the internet happened to you it actually happened to me and i will never forgive myself that's why i said you know what i did the right thing can you imagine can you imagine me waiting until my birthday sometime at the end of the month and then realizing that i missed out on this shit my heart would have broken and slipped out of my butthole that's what would have happened i think you probably would have figured out a way to get it because you did get it, it from somebody who already had it yeah but it wouldn't have been the same that that's person what I'm would have about. still had it that is but let's keep in mind we're talking about the fear of missing out and how potent and how just all-encompassing it is and this is the the thing that concerned me the most is while i was offline the first three days or so i i felt it it was a, a what do you call it like a prescient sort of thing that wouldn't go away like i wonder what people are doing and I actually, I thought it worked out really well because the the following days after that, I felt clear. I felt more present than I have been before. But there's still the, the fact of the matter that I couldn't stay away very long. So is that is that something that's wrong with me or is that something that we, we're all experiencing? Or like, I'm just trying to gauge the degree of... of my severity with a problem. Yeah. You know, so I don't think, I don't think what you're experiencing is unusual. I don't think, I think everyone experiences that regarding their phones. And so they're built for that. Oh yeah. They are built to keep (laughs) you looking at them. Yeah. But it's so good. It's such a great little feeling. It's heroin. It's, it's endorphin releases. and, And you know, what's fucked up. You have no idea how great this made me feel. I come back on after not being on Facebook for five or six days. Guess how many notifications I had? Zero. No. Okay. Well, this is the thing. The shock image was like, I I go in and I have over 20 notifications, right? 
And I'm like, they missed me. They all missed me and they wanted me to be here and they knew that I was gone, that I was missing out. And of course, I, I get this high of just like that heroin feeling that you're talking about when I click on it. It's all events that have nothing to do with me. Yeah. It's all notifications for groups that have nothing to do with me. Yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck am I following like half of these groups? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But there's that like whirlwind of emotions where it, it can give you just a little bit of, of like an upkick and then you're you're back down. Yeah. Because the reality is just too brutal sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like a microaggression. Like from a social network. I'm yeah. really distraught. People miss you. No, they don't. No, they don't. Fuck you. <laughs> Go home. Yeah, I think um, I think in like social media. So there's a distinction to be made between internet blackout and social media blackout. Internet blackout, I don't think is possible it's anymore. Not, I mean, unless you were in a cabin in the woods somewhere with no Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. I mean, that's how we get our news. And if you're trying to operate in particular, and I, and the reason I, I got back to LinkedIn, as the great Joey Diaz would say, I, I need it for work now. Yeah. You know, it, there's, there's a very like visible part of, of my job where I'd like to be, you know. I think we can all agree that LinkedIn does not count as social media. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, I mean it, technically it is social media, but it's the worst kind. <laughs> It's just like, oh, God. And I got to tell you, maybe I'm just an idiot, but me trying to sift through the search bar, I can't I can't get through it. Mm. Like, it's it's so confusing to navigate LinkedIn. It, it drives me crazy. I am proud to announce that I deleted my LinkedIn account after like 10 years <laughs> of un, of like no use. Yeah, you've had it. With I that. didn't I didn't know my password for like five years and I finally reset it and closed it. Well, I, for one, am baffled because that is the professional network. That we all need to be on. Mm. Boo. <laughs> Boo, Wendy. <laughs> Boo, Wendy. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think everyone can benefit from a social media blackout. And specifically, blackout of the apps on your phone. Yeah. Because I think there's a, there's a lot more incentive to look at Facebook, to look at Twitter, to look at Instagram on your cell phone because... Um, well, the speed of it is different, right? Yeah, is that what we're talking about? I yeah. think so. I think it's just that gratification like you get. I've actually, this is something that I recommend for people who are trying to look at their apps less often. It It's not really working anymore, but initially it worked, was turning off push notifications. Uh-huh. So if you're not constantly being notified by your phone that you have notifications within the app, you're not looking at it as, as much. Of course, eventually that turns into checking the app more often because you're not getting those notifications but right but at the same time you're giving your brain breaks from that from that exercise from that activity and that's that's the thing is it's like a constant training that we're getting i think when we're going back to it so often i think i need to do that with instagram too because instagram's even it's simpler and so you're getting just those small notifications. The high is more immediate. Yeah, right? you're getting just those small, simple notifications of so-and-so liked your photo, so-and-so liked your photo, so-and-so liked your photo. It's faster. And that, yeah. you're like, oh, like all my friends are liking, oh, that person it's, I haven't seen in a yeah, while. You know, yeah. it's just, yeah. And so I, I had this idea that, that perhaps there was a compromise where maybe we could withhold from looking at social media for at least a couple of days or alternate where there's some days where I'm not on facebook or instagram or whatever or if i am i i make it uh i make it a a a thing 
to post something or to mm-hmm. actually share something and not just use it as as like this wave of information coming at me mm-hmm. because I'm not part of the conversation and I think that's sort of the the dilemma where I'm at now I want to be I want to be in that conversation but I I'm not interested in sharing anything anymore because I don't feel like it's worth it anymore. You know what's interesting and I've so I'm in a group that is private on Facebook. Mhm. And I find that I comment more. I contribute more to that group because not everybody can see it. Mm. Only the people who are in that group. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Can see your interactions or what you post in that group. Mm-hmm. And I find that incredibly liberating. Yeah. Maybe I should start a group. I just, I really, and I've realized that I do this. I will not comment on things because I know other people can see it. Yeah. So it's almost like every time you're interacting on Facebook specifically is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, Every time you interact on Facebook with something, a post, and I know because, you know, for instance, I if you put a comment on like an NPR article yeah. and a bunch of your other friends also follow NPR, they're going to see they your comment. See They'll right. be like, Maddie commented here. And then like a bunch of your friends like your comment and you're mm-hmm. like, wait. Oh, because they also follow this thing. Right. And so it's just like this public, it makes it feel more public. Yeah. And so you're filtering, you're censoring yourself. It feels like you're at a town hall meeting every single time. Yeah. And you're like that person who's standing in the back and say, I object. Yeah, it's silly. And so I really find myself, I find myself pulling back Mm. and not interacting as much. And obviously, with this podcast, I feel like it's it's giving me enough of an outlet that maybe that that need to to vocalize a lot of my frustrations or uh, commentary on the stuff that's going on in in my community and in the world. I mean, I have a platform now that so I, I feel like it's it's less for me about just voicing something or saying something. I feel okay, you know, just sending some thoughts out there. And, and receiving whatever, you know, whatever criticism might be out there waiting for me. But it's just the fact that the way that I handle social media is more passive yeah. than it's ever been. And I, I know that's, that's just over true. time. I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Um, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, the most recent, um, the Sober October episode. Mm-hmm. So Sober October, generally speaking, means... You don't, you know, you abstain from certain things during the month of October. And particularly these four comedians who I follow, Joe Rogan, Burt Kreischer, Ari Shafir, Burnt Crystals, Ari Shafir, and Tom Segura, (laughs) they all participate (laughs) and they do like a sober October challenge every year. Or they've done so for the last couple of years. And, you know, a couple of years ago, they weren't drinking, smoking, um, and then they had like a fitness challenge. And this year they were talking about doing like a social media blackout, which for people who are famous and who's they use social media to like promote their careers, yeah. that's tough. That's taken a big but, hit. Um, you know, they talked about having like their people post stuff and, for them. But I don't know. I think it's a for for normal people. It's easy. Right. You know, as in terms of like your job doesn't depend on it necessarily. You can let go of that a lot easier. Yeah, way easier. Um, and so I've had the thought that maybe I should push to maybe not necessarily October, but a month of my choosing to abstain from the major social media websites. Yeah, it's it's some kind of a, a non-religiously affiliated Lent. Yeah, exactly. Where you're you're yeah. really forgoing millennial Lent. Millennial Lent. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's something that that everyone should do, and that I might try to do myself. I went a good mm, few months last year without the Facebook app on my phone. How was that? It was eventually. It was easy. You just forget that it was ever on your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do look at it on like a computer. That's and yeah, stuff, and that's like, that has to be tactic number one mm-hmm. to wean yourself off of that dependency to yeah. to be on on social media all the time. Just give yourself a break on your phone because that's where they get you. Like you were saying, that yeah. is really the big kicker now. Well, and I find that I'm a pretty voracious reader, and I haven't been reading hardly uh, at all. Yeah, and I know it's because I'm on social media all the time, you know, and I feel like I go through phases where my use is particularly high. And I feel like right now I'm in a high use period. Um, And it's not making me any better, happier, fitter, stronger, whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you have to know yourself. Yeah. It really does feel, you really do feel, and I'm not an addict, but I imagine that that's what an addict feels like picking something up, multiple times a day knowing it's not good for you and still picking it up y'all got any more of those upvotes yeah exactly problem with with reddit yeah and and the thing also about not posting a lot is that when you do post you're really looking for those upvotes for those likes for those hearts right and i don't want it to be disingenuous and that's the problem is is that sometimes i just don't feel like sharing anything but i'm because i i'm like okay what did i do today i went to work um, I sat with the cats at lunchtime. Um, I came home. I had a. I ate a fucking burrito, and then I went to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes I go and play soccer with my kid in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I'm lucky, if the weather's nice. Yeah, it's like nothing extraordinary. Yeah, and like, to me today. and and I, I just have this this reductive thing. Like this interaction means the world to me. Like being with my family means the world to me. That's what gets me through the day. But who the fuck cares? Nobody cares. Nobody cares Nobody about that cares. shit. You know, like like that's that They give was... you the heart, but it's just out of obligation. Yeah, it's not yeah. out of you know You know, I, I think they need to have an I concur button where it's just like, okay, noted. Yeah. Acknowledged. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's, it's not, not even a like a, it's not a like, like a, or... yeah. It's not like a positive <laughs> response. It's just like a neutral response. Yeah, it's like what the fuck? It's man? just like a thumb that's like sideways. <laughs> <laughs> the the Caesar button, yeah, right? The Caesar yeah. button, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so. In conclusion, if you feel like us, which I'm sure all of you do, because you're all in the same boat we are. Y'all are on Facebook, um, except for like the few conspiracy theorist weirdos who think that social media is the devil. Which, well, I heard. I agree. I heard that Mark Zuckerberg was taking our fucking thoughts. And he was uploading them to the lizard mainframe. Mm. So it's too much. Yeah, I mean, I think that taking some time away, deleting those apps, you can always download them again. It doesn't have yeah. to be permanent. Easy. Um, You know, just taking some time away, deleting the apps, limiting your time that you're on a desktop computer looking at those sites. Um, there is a Chrome extension that kills your news feed. That's worked wonders for me. I just um, I just got to tell people that. What's it called? Is it it's called, called Kill Newsfeed? Kill that's all news it is. Feed, yeah. Actually, Don gave us that that link. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a great great fix. Um. So yeah, try it out. Try it out, folks. See if and it helps you. I guess for our purposes, uh, are you thinking of actually going dark next week? Like, 
next having week. A, a little bit of a blackout because I think yeah. you should try it for five days like I did. Okay. And maybe I'll do that too is, is just go on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could start tomorrow. I think that'd be that'd be good for you. Yeah. And I'll do it too. Okay. I'll do it with you. Yeah, see, I felt kind of bad because a few days in I forgot. Yeah, and then you were tagging me for all sorts of cool I know, shit. And I then know, I was like, I'm sorry. Babe, what the hell? I forgot. And then you didn't respond. And I was like, oh, that's weird. It's like, my husband's such a dick. Yeah, he's, he's ignoring this like- <laughs> cool cat picture I sent him. Well, and this is the fucked up thing, too. You shared a picture of something that we did, a picture that I hadn't seen in the middle of the week. And I saw it on Friday. And usually I'm like the first person to like your shit every oh. single time. And I felt like such an asshole. <laughs> I was like, this is going to break up my marriage because she's probably staying up late at night thinking, you didn't like my fucking picture. No, that, that's, was, a, that was a picture of our son. And how dare you? That's an example, though, yeah. that people don't give a shit. I didn't notice that you didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. And I literally... Isn't that terrible? Yeah. I was tossing and turning thinking, I should have liked that picture sooner. I should have liked that picture sooner. See, and I I messaged you the other day and I was like, (laughs) I I sent you this article, but I'll just tell you about it because I I I remembered that that you weren't on. And then I was like, well, we could just talk to each other about it, like in person when we (laughs) see each other at five o'clock. It's like, don't you want to talk to me? No, I I like the distance better. It's it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. So yeah. Talk to your partner. Don't just send them memes. That's true. That's true. The power, the power is in your hands. Yeah. To be a normal person. You don't need Facebook or Mark to tell you this. Yeah. So on that note, we're gonna we're gonna be moving on, but Maddie and I are gonna try to, to go without social media. Let's tink to the social media blackout. Let's tink to that. A good way to get your life back on track. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little comfy here, um, and I'm I'm trying to find the um, the most comfortable space here in the kitchen, but it, it's kind of hard. Um, it takes us about like 20 minutes to set up all this shit in in the in the kitchen to yeah, make sure that we can uh, get the podcast started and, and rolling. We don't have a uh, permanent podcast set up yet, so it's a little bit nomadic, right? But I kind of like it here. I think it's I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish we didn't have to tear it down. I just let me amend that. I wish you didn't have to tear it down every week. I don't help. I don't do yeah, shit. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's all right. It's worth it. It's fun. But uh, did you did you want to do something else before we get going on the? Uh... Yeah, we could do a little interlude here. Um, today we went to Nick Fest, which is a it's a local art festival essentially, um, run by the Nicolaisen Art Museum, which is a local art museum here in Casper. It happens every year, the first weekend in June. Um, it usually coincides with Casper Pride, because Pride is June, the month of right. June. And it was fun. It's just, you know, it's yeah. vendors. They have two big tents full of people selling their art, which is awesome. Actually, I wanted to talk about this because it's looking at the prices of some of the art. I I felt guilty that my immediate reaction was, holy shit, it's that much. Yeah. But upon... Upon taking a moment to to think about all of the effort that went into that work, like those beautiful tiles that you liked, yeah. they they were almost like um, um, they had like that gloss finish. It looked and like it was this beautiful glass art kind of. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Um, three hundred bucks, yeah. right for the for, for a, the set. For a good size, yeah, yeah. Those three panels, yeah. right? And I I thought these are magnificent, like completely beautiful fully local work. Worth 
$300. And I'm fucking expecting in my head a Hobby Lobby price or a Target price. And it's so, like, so discouraging that we're, you know, art advocates and we we think this way. Well, and I'm, I'm excited to to be able to support local artists. Yeah. So yeah. that that is going to be our goal is is going to be to try to change that mindset and and actually support some of these local um, artisans uh, and artists. I would like to clarify. I'm just excited to have any semblance <laughs> of disposable income beyond right, right. the bare necessities. Right. Um, Finally. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to. That's what I would like to spend. Yeah. Some extra money on it. Only, like, it only took 20 years, didn't it? Yeah. I started working like my first job was when I was like 14 or 15. I'm th- going to be 34 this month. That's really not terrible considering. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it could be worse. I so mean, we're only a third of the way into life yeah. here. So music, there's so much food, uh, you know, food trucks and vendors and just a good, sorry, a good place to promote uh, not promote to support local artists. That's right. And so just a quick reminder, if you folks have any of those kinds of events in your area, please, please go out and support it. It was so shitty out right now. I mean, it was, yeah. it was cold and windy and it started to it rain a little bit. Right. In Wyoming, you never know, but you have to go and support your communities because they need you. If you want that kind of, um, um, those kinds of events, in those those sorts of uh, community building uh, things, we have to go out and support them no matter what. I waited forty five minutes for a fucking euro, and that's the correct saying of it, right? Euro, euro, euro. But don't say it like that because they'll look at you like you're a big old douchebag. Well, yeah, I mean, I show up and they already say that guy's a fucking. At least bag. you didn't say gyro. At least I was gonna say churro. I was that <laughs> far off. <I> was like, <laughs> that's closer than gyro. <laughs> One churro with the meat, please. That would be that would be great. One lamb churro. <laughs> uh, okay, sir, you need to leave. That's it. But let's let's move on to the next topic. Were we going to do uh, the upbeat stuff with Tenacious D, or were we, or were we no, going to get into the heavy stuff? Let's get into the heavy stuff, and then we'll end with Tenacious D because okay. it'll lift. Yeah, and lift us a little bit. And I, I do have to warn you, folks. There will be some spoilers here because we're going to be talking about the brand spanking new HBO series Chernobyl, which was a five-part miniseries on one of the great catastrophes that that humankind has uh, ever managed to to create. And I gotta, I gotta say, just be warned. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about yeah. If you haven't a lot seen of stuff, it, yeah, maybe skip forward, but please watch it. Yeah. Get a hold of an HBO password. Somehow get yeah. a hold of HBO and watch it. Get in touch with your friends because this is one you don't want to miss. And to begin with, I have to say that I've never been on the edge of my seat in my living room, in the comfort of my home, just anticipating uh, the next the next shot, the next movement of a story like I did watching Chernobyl. There's something so illuminating about are our shortcomings as a species. And the one thing that I, that I think I'm going to be done here in just a moment. Cause I, no, okay. I okay. Um, the one thing that really struck me just about the show was how intimate it was, how human of a problem it felt on such a large scale. And I think that's such a complicated thing to do to try to, to illustrate that kind of, of damage potential risk on a massive scale, but still have characters that you're so immediately and completely invested in 
is is a feat and and that just comes down to the the writing and directing of the show and the performances i mean everything from story conception the way that they framed that particular telling of the story and the the execution of that production was top notch mm-hmm. and that's why i say hbo is still king of content without a fucking doubt sure. and i didn't even watch game of thrones i mean this is just watching yeah. amazing content like this the fact that they they give the, the creators enough trust to do something bold like this yeah. is amazing but um anyway we we can keep babbling on but i'm gonna let you do some talking sorry <laughs> yeah it's so i came into it um two episodes late I was out of town when the first right. episode aired and then, or the second, I don't remember. But anyway, you'd watched it first. And, and you were, what you did were, I tell you? You were like, you're watching it right now. Yeah. Like, you as need soon to, as you get home. You need to get home and you need to watch this immediately. And, and I was a little hesitant because I don't do well with, with violence and like grisly stuff and mm-hmm. like a lot of uh anticipation and like like just, foreboding that, that kind of stuff yeah, it makes yeah. me really anxious yeah and so i was like oh i don't know like i don't know if i really want to watch it but eventually i was just like all right all right all right like let's just watch it right let's just let's do the first episode and we'll see how i feel and i was immediately just yeah. completely and, and that that first episode i mean it just hooks you in so intensely and and you you immediately get a sense of the gravity of it you know something is wrong horribly horribly wrong from the get-go and it, it really changed the perception on because now it's it's something that's so far in the rearview mirror that we don't think about it often it's not something that is taught in schools like you were saying the other day we have very little understanding of how bad it was at the time and considering it happened well within your lifetime yeah i was I mean, born just slightly after i was born the year, the year before. before right so within our lifetimes and just knowing so little about it and right. and maybe that's just on us maybe we should have picked up a fucking book but i also kind of feel like it should have been covered in school more like right. it's a it was a big i mean that could have ended the world <laughs> yeah i mean pretty, it pretty was much. catastrophic yeah. and it just it, it seemed i see i felt very ignorant watching it just right like, how did i not know this shit but part of it too was the the complete desire from from the ussr to to keep it under wraps to mm-hmm. keep it contained in such a way that they could try to just like handle the optics of the situation and not get anything over to the western world because it, it was just it would make them look bad. Yeah. And that's such a uh, an incredibly strong and terrifying running through line of the whole episode, of the whole series, that you just feel like, when will fucking governments work for, for anyone? Well, and that's, <laughs> you know? that's what Craig... So, in addition to the show, there is a podcast companion hosted by Peter Sagal of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR mm-hmm. and Craig Mazin, the writer. Who is, who is the great uh, podcaster of uh, Script Notes as right. well with John August. Great show, um, too. You know, and that's something that they talk about a lot in the podcast is that this story is about the consequences of lies. Right. And how lies, these lies just spun out of control. Yeah. And, you know. And, and from that thematic um, vein, pretty much pretty much everything from the show is is sort of backing up that that theory that 
you know, the more you lie, the more of a debt you're incurring to the truth. Right. And I love the way that that's phrased yeah, that when they're, good. they're talking about it in the trial where, uh, you know, it, it does play out like a murder mystery. You don't have a lot of information from the get go, but the way that it, it comes together is, is so haunting and so gratifying at the same time that, those moments of tension that are truly unbearable at times, like the ending of the second episode when they're sending people in mm -hmm. to to go into the water. Yeah. And and that's all we're gonna say. It's just the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I almost had a panic attack just yeah. just um uh, and that's something that. that um that was really interesting to me was how much like a horror movie it was without a monster. Like a, a material monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a monster, but you couldn't see it. You it, couldn't taste it. You couldn't – well, you could kind of taste it. You couldn't smell it. You couldn't yeah, touch it. Much like metal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there were just these moments of terror. Yeah. Like the scene where all of those people from Pripyat, which is the neighboring town where all mm -hmm. the people lived, yeah. when they're standing on that railroad bridge watching – and they said that they actually started calling that bridge afterwards the bridge of death because none of those people that were on that bridge lived. Well, it was the immediate shock. They in, were in the, right the there. First... And in that scene where like the stuff is falling, like you can see like the radioactive material, the ash falling on these people. Yeah. And you're just the whole time I was just like, all those people are going to fucking die. Yeah. Those babies, and, those kids, right. those women, all of right. them. And it's and, just like that internal it's that dramatic irony yeah. you know that right but they don't right. know that and and the the troubling thing the troubling thing for me and and the thing that will outlet outlive the show more than anything too is just that feeling that the ignorance with which we wielded that kind of power yeah. is so problematic that and we so still, and that we still we don't know changed. what the fuck we're doing nothing has and changed. and how dare we dabble in this kind of power without really understanding without really educating the people who are who are on the ground level and this is just what happens with any kind kind of hierarchy is like just stick to the fucking plan mm -hmm. and and do what i tell you and that is such a, a, a difficult thing to swallow and to to watch as it's happening because that that again is is another great moment of of drama where the whole time people are wanting to do the right thing but their better judgment is telling them no if you want to stay relevant in the system if you want to keep your place you must follow orders mm -hmm. you must follow what your superiors tell you which was again you know pretty much the basis of of you know the the ussr right i mean yeah yeah definitely i mean the your you were a cog in the machine you made it all you helped it work yeah but if you stepped out of line the whole machine fell apart yeah so you need to stay where you belong in that spot following orders otherwise you know like diatlov the the chief engineer. Holy shit. He and essentially I, like told those guys, do what I fucking tell you or I'm going to, your career's over. You're never you going to work again. You won't work anywhere. Your family will starve. You will starve. Maybe you'll go to a labor camp. I don't know. 
we'll see how I feel. Yeah, and we have to give this man a shout out, the man who was who played Diatlov, yeah. because he has to be up for greatest villain yeah. in, in a series in a long, long time. I tell you what, folks, his performance was was tremendous. And that's that's really like a tall order for for the work that a lot of these people did on the show. I mean, we're talking about Jaris, Jared Harris, mm-hmm. who I just found out was Richard Harris's son. Yeah. I had no fucking clue, yeah. but I had seen him in other stuff and he's he's tremendous. Mm-hmm. The great Stellan Skarsgård, who just fucking knocks it so out of the park. Like, I see that guy in any movie, and yeah. I will pay a, a fuck ton of money to go see him. Emily Watson? Yeah. She Emily actually Watson. plays she plays a fictional character that actually encompasses um, – Craig Mazin talked about this, that he she actually encompasses all of the scientists – because there were like literally hundreds of scientists trying in to, Pripyat, yeah, trying when, to help, trying to figure the shit out, and she sort of personifies all of them into yeah. one character. And and I think the the really clever thing that they did as a creative team, and and I give props to to Craig Mazin because he has a, a kind of a foot in podcasting also. That this is the kind of show that really needed a companion piece, and I mm-hmm. was so so happy that he did that because. You have to cover, you know, you can only cover so much in in an episode of Chernobyl, but having that companion piece where he's still educating you in a way as to why those decisions were made, those creative decisions, I mean, with the kind of intellect that that he he displays, you know, in his writing, mm-hmm. but also to hear it from him, I mean, it's it was a great great bit of of education, um, and and I just a lot of those those things, you know, had strong creative reasons, but also. It, it always felt like the right thing to do because you only have so much room to play with, mm-hmm. you know, just like they were saying, like, uh, Legasov, mm-hmm. the man had a family, yeah, but there was just no way that the, the dramatic commitment to the family could, could have a, a place when you're talking about this massive event of Chernobyl that he had to overcome. There's yeah. just simply no time to address some things. Yeah, I kind of admire how focused they were able to stay. Yeah. They really they really could have gone in so many different directions. Yeah. But they chose to keep keep things focused enough that you didn't feel like anything was getting diluted. Right. Which right. I think is really important. Considering it was a finite thing, we knew there was only five episodes they knew, and I think that that's another good um, thing about having a finite number of episodes is that it forces you, <laughs> as a writer, I would assume, to yeah. to cut the fat. Yeah, you know. Uh, and I was I was listening to script notes, and uh, they had a great episode with Christopher McQuarrie, who who has been doing the latest Mission Impossible movies, mm-hmm. and him and John August uh, and Craig Mazin were talking about how Christopher McQuarrie was one of the first people who read Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. And he's been a, like a great advocate of the of the story since, you know, uh, on Twitter, mm. since he first read it. And he was saying how um, he started working on Chernobyl five and a half years ago or something. That's like how long this process of, of research and, and development has, has taken place. But Christopher McQuarrie himself said on Twitter, Chernobyl is the best script I have ever read. Plain and simple. Yeah. And if you folks are interested, I mean, you can go and check it out because they were gracious enough. Craig Mazin was gracious enough to share it on script notes. Oh, yeah. And so all of the five uh, scripts for the episodes are available for, for download for free. Awesome. And I'm definitely, I have them downloaded and I'm going to check them out too because that's definitely going to be an education on just the kind of craft that this man has. And, you know, if you listen to 
to the the work that he does on script notes. I mean, you'll get a sense that this is a man who's not fucking around. Like mm-hmm. he he straight up knows what story is. You see, that's sure. interesting because okay, so just internet chatter, which is just yeah. you know people fucking being the worst <laughs> type of people. But they were like, really, the guy who made the Hangover, like that was his last like big thing, like he's doing, you know. And I was just like, right. I was like, how does that disqualify you from writing? People a have good no fucking script? clue. Like, what the fuck? They have are no you? fucking clue. Okay, a the Hangover was great. Oh, and get a sense of this <laughs> though, and you're gonna love this because I think it's it's gonna drive the point home. This is a man who who knows enough people in the community, and he is he is known for his his you know intellect and his knowledge of story, right? So when they first shot the the pilot episode of Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. They had a, a a pre-screening for for you know like for notes and things like that, and they invited Craig Mazin to one of them because he's friends with the creators of mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones. And when they and of course I'm getting this you know secondhand from script notes, but they they were saying that the the feedback that they got from Craig Mazin f- saved the show mm. because the pilot episode was so fucking horrid. Craig Mason said, you have a problem. Mm. This is a serious thing that you guys have to fix. And upon taking some of that comment and some of those notes, they were able to change the show. And the the creators acknowledged that it was a much, much better production. And it's it saved this fucking behemoth of a, of a show. Maybe he should have given them notes on this season. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched I think, it. I'm I think just he was going second yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I know, right? Maybe we're they like, should have had him on the last few seasons. <laughs> yeah. But you know that that's the thing is is these folks just because they get paid to do the hangover doesn't mean that exactly. that's as high as they can go exactly you know and and he was getting a fucking paycheck exactly bro. I mean if you had a chance if you're an uh, like a a budding writer you know getting into the industry or even if you you needed the money that movie I made mean, a butt ton of money exactly it probably allowed him the freedom to do this exactly. And I, I don't know. I just think it's so fucking disingenuous when people get on their high it's horse so about reductive. about that. It's so reductive. Yeah. I mean, I feel that that comedy and at least the pursuit for something funny is is one of the most noble things that anyone can do. Yeah. Because for one, nobody fucking takes you seriously. But but two, it's something that is so needed mm-hmm. in our day and age. How can you dismiss it like that? Right. Somebody who who tries to do comedy has the balls. Yeah. I mean, more than most people. Yeah. To put themselves out there. So, you know, I fucking applaud them. But more than anything, the work that that he's done with Chernobyl has, I think, really cemented him as one of the best writers working right now. Yeah. Just because of the the amount of of I mean, this thing could have sunk under its own weight really, yeah. really bad. It was rough. like it's heavy, you yeah. guys. Like yeah. this is not something but the thing is, <laughs> I was so excited to watch it every yeah, week, even yeah. though I knew every episode was going to get worse. Yeah. You just, it's going to get worse. <laughs> we haven't seen the fucking victims at the end of their lives yet. Right. It's going to get fucking worse. But it it was such We haven't a... seen the dog genocide yet. It's going to oh, get God. worse. And that one's the one where where really started a, a kind of troubling people because mm-hmm. that was, and that's reality. Yeah. So how can it's you... actually less than reality? He toned it down. Yeah, um, I don't want to give I don't want to give too much away, but you know there there's moments in the show where, and I I had read descriptions of people who had experienced acute radiation poisoning. I had mm-hmm. read stuff. I mean, I studied history in college. I obviously like Hiroshima was the big example of radiation 
poisoning of what radiation can do to the human body before Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. This was the only, really one of the only benchmarks we had as humans to know what radiation does to the human body. Yeah. And so having known more or less what radiation can do to the human body, seeing it, <laughs> even if it's <laughs> fake, you know, yeah. telling yourself it's makeup and prosthetics, it is so horrifying. Yeah. What happens to the and this is coming from a person who relishes in the morbid and the disgusting. I mean, I read, <laughs> you know, I read like biofiction for fun. So like Ebola stuff. Your favorite movie growing up was Outbreak. Yeah. Like I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so this sort of bio catastrophe is interesting to me. And and it's a testament to the show and to the the makeup and the prosthetics department. Yeah. They designed new makeup yeah, methods. Yeah, they literally had to like invent new shit to do what they did in this show. Yeah. And it was incredible and horrifying and Right. Um And the tone was just spot on. Yeah. This is what baffles me. And and when you get a good music video director, because that's that's where this oh, guy came that, from. That was his background. Um Johan. Johan uh something. Let or me, looking it up. Yeah, let me get it. He deserves all the credit. He, credit. he really does deserve a lot of praise. And mainly, uh, I'm just getting this to while look you're, While you're... Jo- uh, Johan Rank. Rank. He, he was a music video director. And I'm sure that he's done a couple of other things. Um, he directed... Um, he directed the David Bowie Lazarus video, mm. which was which was amazing. He did a lot of TV. He directed Vikings, The Walking Dead, a couple of episodes. Um, but he's been around for a while. Uh, and he directed the Chris Cornell video, Can't Change Me, which, mm. I, I don't know, it was a great inspiration. But um, the work that he did in terms of tone with the show and that energy, I mean, it just placed you right then and there. Mm-hmm. And with um, the bio robots has to be my favorite episode yeah. where there is a situation where they have to go to the roof where this fucking reactor exploded. And it's pretty much the gate, the mouth of hell mm-hmm. to to send people up there because there was no other way to feasibly do this. Yeah. And that image, those images will be haunting me for a while, not because of the way that they were depicted. They were expertly and masterfully shot and, and conceived. But the idea behind it, that a, a problem so severe in, in our most advanced day and age now, in the 20th century at that time, and that was the best that we could do. Was literally sending 3,000 men to that roof to physically throw shit off of it. Yeah. That was the best they could do. Yeah. <laughs> the robots all died. The fucking lunar I, rover died. Yeah. They're like, I, well, guess we're sending the men. Yeah. They literally just threw humans at the problem. Yeah, and and that's something that that was spoken of quite a bit during the the other podcast that Craig, Craig Mays and Peter Sigal did. Um, but I love that notion, and and it's it's sort of a romanticized idea that exalts the human spirit, like working as a collective, and it, maybe it's just kind of like the the communist that communist dream of like being part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. I do think there's and a, there's a level of that, but I also think it's just, you didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. And right. That but, was ingrained. Right. But that was the only way that they could sell it to people. Yeah. 
You know, you ha- you have to do this because if you don't do this, 50 plus million people will yeah. die in the immediate area. So you can be their heroes. Like when they were trying to convince the miners right. to come in to and do dig. Yeah. And he was essentially like, if you don't do this, everyone in this region will die. And they were yeah. like, all right. All right. We don't have a choice. That's it. We have to do it's it. It's what we have to do. Yeah. Right. And there was something like, I, I literally got goosebumps like a couple of times in that show because of that that kind of feeling. And maybe it's because I'm a sucker for for belief and hope. And I want there to be something good to be found in the human race, like something within us that really counters all of the shitty thing that we do to each other. Mm-hmm. But having those moments... I don't want to look at the bad part of it where they were commanded by the state to give up their lives. Yeah. They were mandated to And no one to really go in. told them. No. They they no were kept really, ignorant yeah. and illiterate. No one about really the told them you're probably gonna die before you turn forty. Yeah. You know, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um uh oh, the scene where Lagosov tells Sherbina for the first time. Oh, yeah. That you have less than five years. Now that you're here. Now that, now you that you've set been foot here, that you've been given this lethal dose, that's about how long you have. Yeah. And he did not know that. Right. You could tell right away right. that he was like, that was news to him. Yeah. And and that was the su- such a fucking horrible thing to see, too, is that how the state maneuvered communication in, in such a way that they compartmentalized everything on a need-to-know basis and past a certain point, the people who were supposed to fix the problem did not have the means to get the proper tools to fix the problem because the state didn't want to look bad. Mm -hmm. Even at its fucking worst. Mm -hmm. Come on, guys. Like, the the fucking humanity's, you know, future is at stake here and you're worried about how bad you're going to look? Fuck you guys. They still, like, fucking lied to the Germans. Yeah. About how much radiation there actually was. And yeah. so they sent them a police robot that... That just couldn't handle it. I mean... Because they told them the wrong number. <laughs> they told them the propaganda number. They didn't tell them the actual number. Yeah. And, and there's just so many moments like that where you see people trying to do good, people trying to problem solve this this horrendous situation and the state is just going against them every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And and on top of that, they feared for their lives. Eventually, you're realizing the KGB is following all of them. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, so am I supposed to actually figure out what's wrong? Or do you mm-hmm. just want me to pretend to figure out what's wrong? Because yeah. you're following me and it's freaking me out. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's a very important show that, that came at the right time. I do agree with that that notion because... We have to keep our government in check. And that is the most important lesson to take away from it. If not, it's just, it's going to be detrimental to the survival of the human race at one point in time. I shit you not. We're at that point where we're falling off the cliff. Hopefully somebody's got a parachute that can save a couple. Mm -hmm. But I think we're, we're hurting ourselves a lot Mm -hmm. lately. A lot. Yeah. But, 
an outstanding show. Is there anything else that you'd like to add other than a tank? Because I know that you feel the same way I do about it. There's a lot I want to talk about, but mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people haven't watched it and I don't. Right. And, and, you know, I know that we've given a bit away, so I hope that you, you guys who haven't seen the show have stopped listening at this time. Um, we'll give you guys a time. Can we give them a timestamp? Yeah, yeah, we'll put but a timestamp. Like, skip to this, and then we yeah. won't give you any spoilers. Right, uh, because it's a big one. It's a great show that you should not miss. And, of course, we're probably going to have some friends uh, in the coming episodes maybe to talk about the show some more because this is something that, I mean, I was waiting for it, guys, every every week, mm-hmm. just trying to anticipate and and just share my excitement. But I, it, it was just a tremendous, tremendous event that we were fortunate to to watch as it was coming out. So on that note, I'd like to give it a tink because it's going to be an unforgettable show mm-hmm. for decades to come. That's a good, solid tink. Is there a sponsor that we wish we had? The local Daylight Donuts chain that there just we go. Reopened. There we go. We got to give them a shout out. So let's, let's go ahead. Mm-hmm. You tell the crowd. You tell the people what they want to hear. Yeah, Daylight Donuts, man. In the mills shopping complex shopping complex so she had to shut down all her stores because of the downturn there was just no money yeah and she recently reopened in her original location in mills and so we're gonna go uh patronize her shop and let's go get some fucking donuts who doesn't love donuts guys let's get to it she makes them in store that's the reason she initially created a bake like made her own bakery because she was upset that like the grocery stores had started like having them shipped in frozen because before they were making them by hand. Right. So she said, She I'm said, not, fuck this. I'm going to go yeah, do my own thing. This is against my beliefs. I'm not going to do yeah, this. So, which is pretty cool. So now she makes them with her fucking bare hands. Yep. And we need to go and eat those bare hand made donuts. Yep. I'm down for that. So go see the Daylight Donuts. Go visit them over at the Mills location. And uh, we'll be right back. We're going to get some more booze. Okay, thank you folks so much. We are just back from our little uh, intermission, but before we get started on tonight's main event, which is uh, something that's going to send us back to the early 2000s, for those of you who were alive back then, because can you believe people who um, well, people who are over 18 now are were born in like 2001? Yeah. That's fucking crazy, man. I, I yeah. can't get over that. I'm feeling so old right now and out of touch. Mm-hmm. But let me let me go ahead and uh, have you talk about something that really left an impression on you. <laughs> that uh, So our president <laughs> Don't just it, that's it. Just just he, end. <laughs> he tweets a lot, right? Like a lot. Way more than is normal or acceptable of a president of the United States. He tweeted something the other day that is a little baffling even for him. He tweeted about NASA, so I'm just going to read it and let it sink in a minute, and then we're just going <laughs> to kind of talk about it. Okay, so on uh, 6-7, which was yesterday, uh, he tweeted, For all the money we are spending, NASA should not be talking about going to the moon. We did that 50 years ago. They should be focused on doing on the much bigger things we are doing, including Mars, of which the moon is a part defense and science so okay so let's, um, let's just pull that apart a little bit <laughs> so it turns out the dark side of the moon is actually fucking mars <laughs> that's that's just tremendous I'm, I'm so glad that somebody has elucidated me on this finally after all I this time have, i've read this tweet over and over again trying to figure out what the fuck he is talking about 
of which the moon is a part. Does he understand how the solar system works? Okay. Things we are doing, including Mars. We're okay, doing so, Mars. So let's take a moment to consider. Maybe he texted this or t- texted. Maybe he, he tweeted this after dinner. You know how your tummy kind of feels full. You feel tired, like the blood is rushing down to your stomach to process all the shit that you've eaten. Maybe, you know, he was just a little tired and, and uh, things weren't clicking. But I have no clue what he's talking about. Of which the moon is a part. See, maybe he was talking about like research to the moon is part of defense and science. Yeah. Maybe like, I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Like what? He, I, I don't I don't know. The point is. It makes no fucking sense. And people were very quick to point that out. Bro, like you need I, to have like a, yeah. again, I mean, this social is media middle. blackout. This social is, media blackout. <laughs> yeah, he needs Please a social consider. media blackout. Anyway, I just thought it was silly. Um, but it's well, a little disconcerting that he doesn't understand that the moon and Mars are not the same thing. It's it's a fucking shame that nobody proofreads his fucking tweets before well, they go out. Why is this still up? Wouldn't somebody have told him to delete it? You think he would listen to anyone? He's you think he's going to listen to anyone? He's no. deleted tweets before. Well, I, obviously, he doesn't care that much about Mars or the moon or yes. which side which side it actually is. So. It's pretty silly. But yeah, anyway, I, it was just kind of a funny, horrifying, funny My life is a lie. Thing. I'm learning so much. You know, first the Earth is flat, and now Mars is the backside of the moon. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, my, my childhood is just kind of dying along with Pluto. So <laughs> let's – well, Pluto was reinstated, right? I don't know where it I thought I thought they were reinstated. So I think, you know, I, guess, I think it's dependent on the scientist you're talking to. Yeah, we're going to have our correspondent, Austin, uh, yeah. <laughs> fill us in on that one. So uh, whenever he's available, uh, we'll reach out to him for comment. Yeah. But for now, let's move on to tonight's main event, which is something that is very, very dear to uh, Maddie and I's heart. Uh, it is a band that uh, came out, I guess, in the mid-90s, and it came to prominence in the early 2000s for their debut album, which was... Uh, it's just called Tenacious D. It's self-titled. Yep, yep. The Tenacious D self-titled album. And uh, this album changed my outlook on life. It It gave me such a smile every single time I put it on. And of course, this band has gone on to reach so many people and and to make their lives so happy. I mean, we were watching a video just uh, a couple of hours ago uh, that that Maddie showed me of uh, a full crowd in Germany. Germany, yeah. That was singing these ridiculous, hilarious songs. And I'm talking about the band Tenacious D. Yeah. We got to take a moment because Oscar is trapped in one of the. No, he's trying to get into one of the. Oh, cabins. for fuck's sake, hey. dude! Come here, come here. Yeah, he. Um, so yeah, I showed you a video of them performing in Nuremberg, Germany, and it was like thousands of people <laughs> singing along to "Fuck Her Gently," which which is a classic. It's an absolute gem of a. So of a I song. I would like to talk about the first time I heard Tenacious D. <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, 10th grade. Mm. Uh, I was carpooling with my best friend who got her license before me. Uh, so she would pick me up from f- for school because we lived down the street from each other. And she uh, was dating somebody at the time who gave her this CD or burned her this CD. And we listened to it, this album and... A Rush of Blood to the Head by Coldplay on repeat for about six months. <laughs> yeah. And so this was the, that was the first time I ever heard this album. And it really 
it like rocked me to my core. <laughs> you know, it was funny. You know, it's so Tenacious D, for those of you who don't know, is Jack Black, the actor, and his friend Kyle Gass. The great KG. The great KG. It's all about Sex Supreme. And they're just like a guitar duo. <laughs> and uh, they're awesome. And this album is iconic. I mean, mm-hmm. at least it is for me. And no, for it, a lot it, of people. It really did. It really did make a splash. But um, if, if I may backtrack too, the first time that I actually had any kind of semblance of Tenacious D being a band, all right, you two, I just saw them climb out like Scar and Simba just fucking yeah. duking it out. And now they faded into the black. So we'll see. We'll see who makes it out. But uh, the, the first time that I saw Tenacious D was uh, on, on MTV they were playing the Spike Jones video for Wonder Boy. Mm. And I think that was 2001 when when that came out. And I just remember being like, what the fuck is this? This doesn't belong anywhere. And, you know, like when, when you see something like that, at least for us, you know, that was, those were the moments where we were like, I want more of that mm-hmm. because that doesn't belong anywhere. That's, that's kind of like right here in my heart mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And... Of course, like the the song was amazing, and or I guess later we would find that Dave Grohl was was yeah. you know doing the drums and that, and we just totally would have lost our shit. Mm-hmm. But I had my friend Bob, and I I think he helped me track down you know that album where we found it. But he got it first, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. And so whenever we'd go anywhere because we hung out together all the time, we we would just listen to that and just sing it nonstop on speech trips and mm-hmm. theater trips and and just maybe down the hall when we thought that nobody was around because you can't really sing <laughs> no. any of those songs unless no. you, you wanted to get in trouble mm-hmm. back in high school. But holy shit, I mean, what a great, great band. Mm-hmm. And that album is is just cemented our relationship too because that was one of the great things that we that we shared in common are, are just love, love for Tenacious D. Yeah, you were, I don't know, <laughs> impressed or... Surprised, surprised, maybe that more than I anything. knew all the well, words to yeah. those songs, and I was like, "What girls like that music too?" <laughs> some <laughs> it was girls. like some girls, dick and be, fart jokes, and and fucking metal, like pedal to the metal. I mean, it's it was all it was the perfect. things that I loved in one place. Yeah, and <laughs> I just remember us having a lot of conversations about that early on, and and just feeling like, okay, this is kind of. The, yeah, this, we're going to be okay. What What do you want me to look up? Because you you said um, you were talking about how much of a of a splash it made. It was the two thousand one debut album. Yeah, I guess I I don't know for sure. I mean, obviously now you know twenty almost twenty years later, mm-hmm. it's it's a cult classic. Like everybody loves this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it was as big when it came out. Yeah. Um, as it is now. Well, because I mean, at that point, did any was Jack Black well known at that time? I think he was still kind of a bit player. Yeah, uh, he, I mean, he, he had been, some cameo roles yeah. on like um, the Bob Odenkirk show with David Cross, and uh-huh. and uh, he, was he was in, in the Cable Guy, and, and he was in High Fidelity with John Cusack, right? And and I'm looking here. Um, it did make it pretty pretty big. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, let me see here. Kielbasa sausage. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I have the. <clears throat> I can just read off the song yeah. list. Well, it's a, it's yeah. You go ahead. So and the do first, that. it's. I'm just gonna read them off. Kielbasa, one note song, tribute, 
Wonder Boy, Hard Fucking, <laughs> Fuck Her Gently, Explosivo, Dio, Inward Singing, Kyle Quit the Band, The Road, Cock Push Up. The Road yeah. is great. Cock yeah. Push Ups, Lee, Friendship Test, Friendship, Karate Schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> karate rock your socks drive through double team and city hall uh it's a city hall i believe and malibu nights medley oh good lord there there is a memory of mine of for each of those songs oh uh, yeah mm-hmm. like a time when i distinctly recall either you and i singing it or bob and i singing it or like my other friends mm-hmm. just yeah sometime in the background i mean that, that was always on repeat mm-hmm. um it looks like, I mean, it, it garnered pretty positive reviews mm-hmm. for the most part. Review aggregate website Metacritic gave the album a score of 85 out of 100, signifying universal acclaim. Describe uh, Entertainment Weekly described the release as being hilarious and no mere comedy record. A, all music said it rocks so damn hard, but it reflects on the lacks of some of the songs from the HBO episodes. Because that, shortly thereafter, they had a couple of episodes on HBO. Tenacious D, they had like three episodes. Like a show? Yeah, like a proper show, but it didn't oh, make it very far. I didn't far. know that. So technically speaking, is this a comedy album? Yeah, I, okay. I would say so. Yeah, they, they would classify it as that. Um, a and comedy album that rocks super fucking hard. Yeah, I believe it did win a Grammy, though. That's that's mm. a thing, too. Um, it was certified platinum by the uh, Recording Industry Association of America by the end of 05. Oh. So in a, man, in a span of four years, I mean, it... it Made a lot of waves, so and that's pretty impressive considering none of these songs could be played on the radio. <laughs> no, <laughs> just Wonder Boy. Yeah, Wonder Boy. And could, tribute. Could get away. No, not tribute. It's too much language. Censored. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. they would censor. They've played worse. Yeah, and especially now. I mean, I'm sure they. They do. Okay. Okay, Oscar. He's gonna topple our microphone, so you're gonna have to remove him. Both of them. Get him out of here. But I, I think maybe the, if there was any backlash, it was because of like the the sort of the satanic undertones of the uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and and they were mentioning here that the um, the cover of Tenacious D. I mean, you you got Satan in the background, then you got these two naked dudes with the guitar. It's um, reminiscent of a or they took the concept from a tarot card with the mm, devil because mm-hmm. as you can see here, if you want to like come yeah, over and look, I've got it up. Um, here. It's yeah. I mean, it, that's pretty much what the, the tarot card looks like. And so I'm sure that would have turned a lot of people off to like just picking up a CD and being like, Oh, I'm interested. Um, Dave Grohl also plays the devil in the tribute video. <laughs> in the tribute video, yeah. The Liam Lynch directed music video. And that's really when, when it clicked, when I saw the, <laughs> the tribute, tribute video uh-huh. i and, saw that way later yeah uh-huh. i saw that like probably like a year or two later mm. and that's when i was like oh my god fucking dave Grohl!" and it's almost like you can enjoy the drums more yeah. i don't know why but but maybe it's just like how bad of like fangirls we are for mm-hmm. fucking dave Grohl. we're like he's playing like right now i mean mm-hmm. he just went up a lot like a, a notch up in my book because he you know it makes so much sense too that dave Grohl would do it like would collaborate on a comedy album. Right. Like, Just something lighter or something without really. But, I mean, if you've watched any of their music videos, they're always like goofing around. Yeah, not like, taking themselves seriously. Yeah, and it's... that's when you realized how eclectic he, eclectic he was starting to become because mm-hmm. he, he was doing this work with Tenacious D. He did Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. He did, um, Songs for the Deaf. Songs for the Deaf. And mm-hmm. he just had a lot of, a lot of stuff going on where I was like, he's, he's just, just going all out. He's just the best. He's the, yeah, the best. We still got to get that candle. 
The Dave girls. Yeah, the the Mexican candle so that we can have him uh, mm-hmm. uh, here in the hallway maybe to ward off. To some, bless our house. To bless our house. <laughs> I really, I really need that in my life. Um, <laughs> but what else can we say about this? I mean, it's it's something that's gone on through through most of our lives. It's been playing on repeat, not so much in the last couple of years because mm-hmm. when you have a kid, you really can't play fucker gently or or shitty city hall. Uh, <laughs> but there, there's so much to smile about when it comes to this album. And it's just so full of joy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it makes me so happy. And <laughs> and as a rock and roll fan, it fills so many, it, it, it hits so many right notes, yeah. forgive the pun. But it just, the music is great. The singing is, they're both awesome. Like singers, yeah. like they're, they have great voices. And, and, you know, while Jack Black is a good guitarist, KG is, he's is incredible. a fucking magician. He, yeah. And, he's amazing. And for, for them to have that kind of chemistry and, and I don't know, they, they just work so well. And then on top album. of that, it's hysterical. Yeah. And it just, you know, it hits all the right <laughs> notes for me personally. And, Something that that might incriminate me a bit. I I just don't think that the other albums hold up as much as that one. Yeah, and I don't know if that again. It this could be just those formative years. The rose tinted glasses yeah, coming that, back. You know, you just have that that particular album at that time in your life, and it defines you. It defines yeah. that time in your life. And then the other stuff isn't just it just isn't as sweet. Right. Um, so you know, I honestly have not listened much to the to the subsequent albums. So we used to, but again, with life, the 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 thing that it does, you know, you you kind of tend to push other mm-hmm. things to the to the well, periphery. We have Spotify, so we have access we do, to it. Yeah. All, so yeah. Uh, so I think what we're gonna do is we're probably gonna take a look at some of those newer works and see how they stack one. up. There's yeah, a brand they, new album from last year. They did. Yeah. Um, called Post Apocalypto. Right, and that's going to be next on the agenda one of these days. Too. There's another one I've never even heard of called The Rise of the Phoenix. That came out in 2012. That's when we were really kind of in a, in a shitstorm trying to survive in Seattle, and we couldn't keep track of anything. That's true. There's, there's a period of time of like a, a year and a half or two, like maybe between 2012 and 2013, before our son was born, mm-hmm. that I just don't remember anymore. Yeah. Where it, it was just like, okay, got to commute, got to go... Go fucking sell cell phones, and it's going to be great. Well, there's very specific music that I associate with that time, and it's not tenacious. That's D. that's Arcade Fire time. Yep, and, and uh, Black Keys for me, Radiohead time mm-hmm. because that's when we saw them live, and, yeah. and it was it was amazing coming back to the fucking big surprise that I got. And I'm probably going to do a recap on that uh, some yeah. other time. But I'm going to make you sit through 17 hours. <laughs> oh no! Of un. And oh, no. says, yeah, you're gonna no. love it. You're gonna love it. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna Just actually. Give me the highlights. No, I'm gonna put these headphones over you as you sleep. Well, I'm so you're gonna actually take it in subconsciously, and then you'll have a true connection to it. So when you wake up, you're gonna be like, "I've been missing out," and then you're gonna see the light. I don't and, dislike Radiohead, and you're gonna be baptized in our church. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, just to be clear, I don't dislike Radiohead. I'm just not a super fan like someone. You just like certain someone. Like a certain someone. <laughs> By the way, we use that phrase so often in front of our son that he knows we're talking about him now. Yeah, so we yeah. can't use that phrase anymore. Well, we can't use the bathroom because somebody shit all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> certain someone. 
and say, oh, that's me. <laughs> Not that that ever happened. I mean, I'm incriminating him a lot, but... Uh, <laughs> now we just use it for the cats. Yeah, yeah. One of these days, the cats are going to fucking talk. They're going to be like, oh, it's talking about me. And I know I'm, you're talking about me. <laughs> they say it with their I eyes. I still don't care. <laughs> yeah. They say it with their eyes. Big pieces <laughs> of shit. Um, but if you get a chance, please check out Tenacious D. If you've been living under a rock if you've been and living you've under never a rock. listened to them, <laughs> I'm try saying like, it out. Like it's the brand new thing. Like nobody's ever heard of well, it. Well, you know, people miss stuff. I yeah. miss stuff all the time. Right. Let's tink to well, that. Let's tink. And I'm, I was going to ask you and one last thing. we got three tinks. Yep. Boom. Three out of three. Meatloaf would be proud. Why'd you now, change glasses? Oh, you made yourself a different drink. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually just drinking tequila and grapefruit juice mm-hmm. because I, I don't know. It felt right. But I was going to ask you, what is the one song that really sticks with you right now as you're thinking of this album? The one that, that hmm. warms your heart at this time? Let me look at the list here and I'll tell you. Um, I really like The Road. It's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those that always, I don't know, the melody sticks with me. The drive through. <laughs> <laughs> we still quote the drive through. We quote that shit every day. Um there's so many good ones <laughs> kyle quit the band i love that one yeah hard fucking all i just all of them i love all of them <laughs> i can that's an album and so how yeah. many albums can you say you can listen to from beginning to end yeah, without and, skipping anything yeah not that many not, for not me. very many not and this is many. one of them yeah we yeah i i think that we we sang just about all of these but wonder boy because it was the first song i heard of theirs mm-hmm. i think that one sticks in my heart but um uh what was the one there? <laughs> uh explosivo mm-hmm. just i i laugh out loud sometimes i think the, it to myself the absurdity of some of the songs yeah. just it's so funny it just to me. yeah it, it totally like gets you in the, sometimes in the, right. the words just don't matter and i was <laughs> i'm still so heartbroken that i we're not gonna oh. see them at red rocks in july yeah they're coming to red rocks and and we're just missing out but we we had another commitment we have that, another commitment yeah fuck. fuck uh i might look at their schedule and see if they're coming anywhere near us we're gonna fly to see them if it's not denver it could be somewhere else Babe, we, they're maybe. in europe right now but they're gonna be in the states yeah later so so we're gonna keep you folks posted we might be able to do a special episode where we're following tenacious d i would we'll i would yeah. go to that concert and right now let's go god damn it <laughs> it's okay life finds a way life finds a way i'm so flat i'm so off i don't know what i'm doing but anyway folks we got our three tinks out of the way but we would this like to a remind fucking you good episode i love this episode i this thought it was great. a blast and we want to bring you some more of this balance so we can talk about the shitty the anger and the happiness oh, can we preview what we're going to talk about next week of course next week we're going to talk about ali wong's new netflix movie always be my maybe we just didn't have time this week but oh man was it a blast and maybe so. we'll do a little bit of compare and contrast with another fully asian cast movie crazy rich agents which i also happen to watch in the same week for some reason <laughs> <laughs> anyway folks we're gonna sign off but i hope that you had a wonderful time and please let us know what your thoughts are subscribe the to the podcast rate the podcast review the podcast wonderful we're gonna try to get some more guests for you and thank you i think it was steve 
who who put a yeah. comment on there. Somebody uh, put a nice comment on Stitcher, and we're not entirely sure who it is, but it might be Steve. So if it's you, Steve, thank you. Shout out. Sick shout out to you, um, friend. Oh, and also email us at ourkidsasleep at gmail.com. For shit that you want us to talk about. Yeah. Just say hi. You don't even have to give yeah, us suggestions. Yeah, say hi to Just us. Say, hey, We'd guys. love to hear from we're you. We're listening. Because <laughs> we don't know who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's me on repeat. <laughs> Like a fucking dunce. surprise! It's, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> just emailing myself. <laughs> but you know what, folks? Thank you so much for your time. If you're out there listening for five minutes or an hour, forty-five minutes, thank you, thank you for your time. Please have a good night. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>